Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and welcome to the latest instalment of the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As you can probably work out by now, I'm Connor Clancy and I'm returning as host this week as we near yet another international break. Joining me once again is a trusty duo that rarely disappoint. First up, Luca Gumby. How's everything in Germany? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I feel quite energised of just uh, eaten an orange and I enjoyed that Southampton into game a bit more than I thought I perhaps might going into it. It was just a good, fun game of football, a bit mad. And yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk about some Serie A. It's nice to hear you're getting one of your five a day in late at night. Um, I think you enjoyed that a lot more than our next guest, who is joining us after another difficult week for his club, to say the least. Nick, how are you? Yeah, um... I'm not going to say, um, again, I think it's another week of not that happy to be talking about Serie A, but, you know, I'm happy to take one for the team and try and do my best to talk talk some of the people out there through my week because it's been a rough one, to say the least. <laughs> we appreciate you putting us before your own personal happiness, Nick. <laughs> um, right, so you're not going to thank me for this, but... Once again, there's only one place to start with this podcast, and that is at the Stadio Giuseppe Miazza. Inter took the decision to part ways with Frank De Boer earlier this week after just 11 Serie A matches. They currently sit 12th, but given he took over just two weeks before the start of the season, I personally find it a little bit hasty from the club. Their trigger-happy approach to their coaches since Mourinho's departure can't be helping things, and I think they're now onto their ninth coach since 2010. Nick, you wrote a really good article taking aim at the club's hierarchy on the site this week, and I do want to get your thoughts on this, but I'm going to go to Luca first. Luca, what do you think about the decision to sack De Boer? Well, I think when they first appointed him, I wasn't all that convinced. He always, I don't know, he sort of reminds me in a way of Andre Villas-Boas, where he's sort of one of these sort of 
managers with a project which I think can work and does have certain uh, merit to it but uh, in the end it wasn't a surprise I think they probably just ended up getting him because he was a good name he was a attractive prospect and even though like I said I'm not really his biggest fan and although I, I don't really know too much about what he did at Ajax so I can't really give him too much of a fair critique but it does seem pretty pointless just to bring him in and give him what was it 85 days as he is supposed to be this kind of longer term philosophical kind of manager with his own particular style so if you're not going to give him a chance to implement it it's just no point in really trying he's not someone who's just gonna steady the ship and keep it going in the short term it just seemed like he was there they got him didn't go straight brilliantly straight away they just gave up as soon as the going got tough it's seems a bit weak but and even the fans have been sticking buying him it seems afterwards quite a lot when they have a lot of right to be angry so it does look like the hierarchy isn't really giving itself too much of a leg to stand on. Yeah, when he came in, I think it was four months that he said he would need to really get his ideas across to the players. And he's not been given anywhere near that, really. Nick, do you want to jump in now? Yeah, well, that's the thing. His, in one of his first press conferences, he came out and said, give me four months for me to show my inter. And I thought that statement in itself was actually quite ambitious because... You know, as as you mentioned, he's come in just two weeks before the season. He's come in, taken charge of what is essentially somewhat of a Man, uh, Roberto Mancini squad. But he he's kind of ambitiously said, you know, I don't necessarily need a transfer window, but just give me four months to actually put my philosophies forward into this team and build something. And he wasn't he wasn't even given three months. So it's um. It's just kind of a bit ridiculous and irrelevant of th- your thoughts on Frank de Boer because even myself, obviously his record at Ajax was um, quite incredible, really. I mean, it's um, he broke a few records there. But to judge him, what he can do in Serie A, I mean, he's now going to have this mark against his name for pretty much the rest of his managerial career. But really, you can never actually say that he did he, he, you can't realistically judge him on what he's had so far. He just hasn't had the time to prove himself whether he can make it in Serie A. So that, that's one of the frustrating things that a manager's come in and you, he, he's got this blight against his name and you will never actually know if he was going to actually build to anything. And I'm not, I'm kind of a bit like Luca with that. Like I wasn't overly uh, elated when he got, when he got the um, the call, but you know, I was happy to at least see something build and see what he could do. And that's, I think, the most frustrating things. Um, the he was the eighth manager that's come and gone. So, we'll, as you said, we'll have the ninth that comes in. So that's averages just over nine months per manager. And it just goes back to that that point where what what is, is each manager supposed to do in that amount of time? Where um, I mean, you don't even have the transfer windows to actually build a squad, and that's and that's half the problem. I mean, the hierarchy is continually looking at the coach, the coach, the coach. What's wrong with the coach? There's clearly not an overriding structure at the club, and that's why each coach has just sporadically assisted in bringing in these random players and these impulse purchases. And now we just 
have this squad of misfits. And, you know, not to talk about too much about Southampton game, but then, I mean, it's a perfect example because you've still got bloody Renokia running around um, in centre-back and, you know, a centre-back that you just need to feel like you need to take him back to under nines and teach him the basics of defending because he doesn't seem to understand it. And then you've got Nagatomo, which just uh, scoring that own goal, just kind of uh, speechless about that. So, and these are players that have been around for what, five seasons now. And that's, that's the issue. It's the ad hoc management. It's created this ridiculous squad. No manager's been actually able to build anything. And, well, clearly the players, I mean, you've seen, a, you probably watched a few of the games through this season, particularly the Europa League games. There's just no heart there. There's no passion. They play for the pay packets and that's about it. So it's... Yeah. Um, you've mentioned yeah. the players having no hearts and obviously the club's hierarchy need to take a lot of the blame. But where does the blame primarily lie? Is it with the people upstairs or the players for not doing their best for the coach? I think I think it's I think it's the the management really because at, at the end of the day they're the ones that are responsible for bringing in for bringing in the talent and you know I'm obviously talent in terms of on the football field is very important but character also needs to be I I think personally it's a, a massive thing for a club and I guess Mario Kart is the perfect example. And I don't mean this in a way that I'd want him to leave the club because, I mean, what he does on the pitch is quite incredible. And without him, you can only wonder where Inter would be this season. But you look at the captains of Inter's past, the latest being, of course, Zanetti. And now we've got this guy running around captaining the club, which um, it's just uh, it's just such a contrast in terms of, the club brand, the symbol of what the club's supposed to represent. Um, and I think the management, you know, the, it goes back to them not, they don't seem to actually know what they're trying to build in terms of a club, in terms of a culture. And that's the thing. It's, there's clearly not a culture. Well, And as I've kind of alluded to in the, the article, the, I guess you can say the culture has become a toxic one. And that's that's all down to the hierarchy. And, you know, if, if you bring these players in, if you know that they have those kind of issues and then, you know, that's, you've only got yourself to blame for that. So, you know, while, while I, I'm not happy with a lot of the players, I think long-term the club needs to really look at themselves and kind of, you know, look internally at the problem because that's where it really lies. Yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that the club as a whole are a bit of a mess at the moment from top to bottom. Do you think there is an easy fix for it, even on a short-term basis, or is this season just a write-off already? I think, um, yeah, I think I think it's pretty much a write-off, to be honest. Um, coming into today's game, I was thinking, you know, maybe if we somehow get a, a win against Southampton, then the Europa might be just that little bit of kind of success or hope for the season, but that's kind of just been run over by a truck. So um, I think this season's, uh, yeah, pretty much a write-off and it's like just about every season the last of, of the last six, every time we do this mid-season, we have these changes. We're starting again and again and again, and it's that short-term view 
continually, which over the long term has just got us nowhere. So in six years, we're still, where have we got? Nowhere. There's nothing, there's nothing that I can really strongly say six years ago. Okay. Well, at least we've built this part of the club. Um, you know, at least we've built a squad, at least we've built financially because we haven't really done anything and we're just starting again. So it, as annoying as it is, we really need to start again and look long-term because that's for the sake of the club and returning if we are ever going to return to that form of glory we need to look long term yeah it seems a bit kind of strange as well with Inter because you've had this sort of like old traditional Italian structure with the Marattis and then this sort of excitement with uh, Tohir coming in and then this sooning group and I, I suppose in Italy you kind of get this perception with some people that perhaps People don't like in charge in these directorial roles. Aren't really, they don't really know the game. And I was just wondering, Nick, if you kind of think that could be true, or it's just sort of like this, I don't know, like sort of xenophobic view that they don't know what they're doing because they're Chinese, or is it just it doesn't really matter who it is? It's sort of more embedded. Is there no real like takeover? Is not really going to be able to uh, move things forward? If you get what I mean. Yeah, well, I, I think you've kind of alluded to a major issue at the moment in regards to um, the owners and, I guess, the directors because there seems to be a lot of confusion and I not no one seems to actually really know where the decisions are being made. Um, I mean, you can even look at the coaching situation in terms of getting a new coach now. It seems like the directors, directors in terms of uh, Azilio and Zanetti and whatnot want, um, have had already uh, agreed on Pioli, but the owners, there was rumors that they were actually looking for someone else. And there was, I mean, there's been a host of names mentioned, but I think that's a, a major issue at the moment because you've got the Sunning group who seem just kind of in the background. They don't really, um, you know, they don't seem to be want to be outwardly involved, um, at least in public. And then you've got Tohir as president, who's now a former owner. So, I mean, the guys come in owned the club for two and a half years through his company and then um, sold them off. So you've got to question his dedication and what his role is now. Um, and then you've got uh, kind of directors, as I mentioned, when you've got Zanetti and Auxilio who actually know football, but I don't know how much of an influence or what kind of decisions they're actually making. So I think that the whole club is just, as you mentioned, uh, kind of it's just a bit of a mess uh, structurally, really. All right, I'm going to move on now. And Nick, you Please could do. probably take this opportunity to get a drink of water and breathe <laughs> for a bit. But it's probably not going to make you any happier because we're going to stay at the San Siro. And AC Milan have performed above expectations this year. And at the moment, they find themselves in the Champions League places. It took an extremely clever Giacomo Bonaventura free kick to seal the points against Pescara at the weekend. And they haven't always been that impressive. But, Luca, I'll come to you. Do you think they can sustain their current position and qualify for next year's Champions League? Uh, I think that the Champions League is probably a step too far. I suppose they could be in contention for it. But I think even against Pescara, they weren't necessarily that impressive. I think that's kind of been a bit of uh, a pattern with Pescara where they play quite well and they lose. But, yeah, I suppose... In a way, they haven't necessarily 
had too much uh, of a dramatic change in recent times, which perhaps a bit of stability is kind of helping them to progress. And I suppose I do rate Montello even uh, if I thought he sort of struggled at Sampdoria and at the time perhaps didn't really show enough to merit a step upwards. But yeah, I suppose even with uh, Bonaventura scoring that great little free kick under the wall, it does sort of suggest that perhaps some of these players, they signed a couple of years ago now they're stepping up uh, Romagnoli as well uh, back is still there so I suppose they've got the uh, the roots there to be perhaps in contention looking forward to uh, getting back into the Champions League I think perhaps this year it's probably a little bit too soon and I would still fancy Napoli and Roma ahead of them but I suppose they are slowly progressing without uh, really changing too much about the team and its character yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you there. I think with Donnarumma and Romagnoli at the back, they've got a bit of a good spine and that's not something they've had for a few years now. And if not this year, I think definitely next year we can see them attempting to return to the Champions League. We're going to move on again really quickly and just before we go a little bit down the table, it's only right to at least mention that Juventus saw off Napoli thanks to a winning goal from, well, who else than Gonzalo Higuain. I just want to quickly check. You guys both still regard them as guaranteed title winners, right? Yeah, uh, 100%. That's okay. not even... That'll, that'll do for Juventus, guys. <laughs> um, we'll take a quick break and come back with chat about Lazio. Remember, we want to hear what you think. So get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook or leave a comment on fodsaitalianfootball.com. Okay, so... We're going to move south to Rome now and after the circus that surrounded Lazio in the summer, few people will have expected them to start the season as well as they have. Ciro Immobile is back to his best and Simone Inzaghi is proving to be much better than his brother at coaching. Luca, you recently enough wrote about their form this season, so what do you think has been behind their success? I don't feel like it's really there's anything behind it in a way. It sort of seems wrong in a way to kind of attribute credit to it other than perhaps to Inzaghi but then that doesn't really work either because the hierarchy was trying to get rid of him to put Bielsa in it's just they just seem to have sort of completely stumbled on to this winning formula where Anderson's really stepped up he was a bit uh, I think he went off the rails a bit after he was linked so heavily with Manchester United last year and then they've just got that front three of Balde and uh, Immobile, who was one of the best front threes around, really. And Balde, again, it was another player who was linked with uh, a move away, who sort of seemed to be agitating for a move, or the club were trying to get rid of him. And now he's just really stepping up. Immobile sort of had those uh, six months back at Torino to sort of um, uh, reintegrate himself back into Serie A football. And now he's really hit the ground running. We sort of simple strike the play up in that front three and then I suppose obviously one of the key uh, bits of news for them was that De Vrij was back fit at the start of the season although he's currently out for I think about a month and a half with a metatarsal problem so it'll be important for them to get him back and then Milinkovic Savage again he's another one of these sort of little younger players who's uh, doing well under Inzaghi who came sort of through the youth system so he seems to be uh, someone who knows how to manage these younger players. And then they've got quite a lot of these other players like Patrick, who came from Barcelona. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Didn't really have much of a reputation, but they're playing quite nicely. And Wallace. And so, yeah, it seems to me they're sort of playing along nicely under the radar. And I think the fans still have a lot of issues perhaps with uh, Lotito and the attendances aren't back up to where you would expect for a, a club of their size but they seem to be just moving along nicely and uh, avoiding all the drama and just calamities that they've been having uh, in past seasons Luca do you think um, obviously the 14-15 season they had that kind of remarkable run um, got that championship, uh, Champions League qualification spot or playoff spot at least. Um, while, you know, the coach has changed, obviously Pearl is gone now. Do you think a lot of the players are still there? Do you think, um, you know, this is somewhat just a return to where they possibly were and maybe last season was just a bit of a lapse or do you see this as a completely different Lazio to that team two seasons ago? Uh, I guess... I kind of see it more in sort of terms of, I guess, where the club is and how the fans were feeling in relation to it because you had the fans sort of boycotting games and so as that kind of negative attitude sort of gets spread through the team. So, yeah, I suppose it's kind of perhaps in a way there's sort of similarities with uh, Inter where you have these grievances sort of elsewhere and then when performances are... Give uh, cause for further grievance. It becomes more obvious on the pitch. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see the point that they do still have a lot of these players. I suppose Lulic would be a good example. He's been on top form this year, and he's been there for a while. He's quite an experienced figure. So, yeah, they obviously have had this talent, but they have certainly been managing to squander it last year. And then, even when they did get into the Champions League, they're actual performance in the playoff round against Bayer Leverkusen was so poor that it just, I don't know, that kind of, it seemed like that sense of negativity was so all-encompassing that it could really undermine the actual quality of the player. So, 
I think Inzaghi, who wouldn't have expected to be do there, does deserve a lot of credit for managing to get out of the players what perhaps you would have expected from them a few years ago when uh, things were looking a bit brighter. You mentioned that Felipe Anderson has been in good form. He was absolutely brilliant the season before last, and I think Lazio finished third. Then last season he didn't really show up. Do you think if he performs well this season, they're better off just selling him if someone comes in with decent money and reinvesting that wisely into the squad? Or should he be kept at all costs? Uh, if, if I was him, I think it's probably better to just keep him if he's playing as he is. and He's got a good relationship with the other two players in that front three. And I, I don't really... I wouldn't really necessarily expect Lazio to be that eager in a way to spend any money that they had coming in. I, I can't really see them who they would bring in. I, I think they have made some sort of smart uh, signings of young players. So I guess they could sort of try and pull their luck with that again. But unless they got a ridiculous offer I, I, with the way he's playing, I'd just, if I was them, I'd keep him in Rome. You can find us on Twitter at Serie A FFC or on Facebook by searching for Forza Italian Football. We spoke about Lazio being a bit of a surprise in Serie A this year, but perhaps the most unexpected story of the season has been Atalanta's climbing up the table. Things didn't start too well for Giampiero Gasparini this year, and it looked as though he might have lost his job in September, but over the last six games, nobody in Serie A has picked up more points than La Dea, and their fans are quite optimistically already dreaming of a Scudetto push. Of course, the title bid would probably be asking for a bit too much, but um, Nick, you first. Maybe this will cheer you up talking about a team in black and blue doing well. Do you think they can continue their strong start and challenge for the Europa League places? Um, I mean, at the moment, you know, while there's so so long to go in the season, obviously, but I mean, there's a lot to like about um, what they're doing, how they're playing, and I don't think there's necessarily a reason to say that no, they definitely can't. I think they're still an outsider, very much an outsider. But um, you know, there's it's kind of it's an exciting kind of team. I I do enjoy watching them um, where possible. Um, uh, some some really exciting youngsters there. So um, and the I, I guess the last six games in particular, the the way they've actually been able to be so consistent. And not only be consistent, but actually beat Napoli, beat Inter. I mean, that's, you know, you see teams have these good runs in mid-table, but usually they kind of lack those big scalps. But to actually pull those two wins off in the within those five wins and a draw, like that's that's really impressive. Like it's it's kind of I'm just looking at their results now, going through it. It's it's um yeah, quite incredible. So um. You know, it's it's. I think it's very. They're very much the fairy tale of this season. I think you could say um, it would be great to see them push for Europa League. And yeah, while they're the outsiders, um, I think there's no reason why they can't. I've just got the league table in front of me here, and they're a point behind Napoli, two off Lazio, and three off the Champions League places. It's <laughs> it's dream stuff for the guys from Bergamo. Um, Luca, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I suppose uh, one of the things would just have to be to keep hold of everyone in January. Was it last year when they lost Dennis in 
Didn't yeah, he go back to Argentina? Dennis like, and Maximiliano Morales both left within the space of two weeks. With that quantity of young players there, they're going to be attractive for a lot of uh, the other clubs. So I think just trying to show a bit of ambition and keep them could really help her prop them up. And I think it's one of the most difficult stadiums in the league to visit. You do sort of see them beating the bigger teams at home quite a lot. It's a ground where the fans are close to the pitch and it's pretty much always full. So it is uh, certainly a hostile place for other teams to go. So I think that does give them a bit of a boost. Definitely. It's really important that they do keep hold of some of their key players. I saw Juventus and pretty much everyone in Europe is being linked with Frank Kessie at the moment and to lose him would be huge. But one player who has probably stood above everyone else this year and last year is Alejandro Gomez. Earlier this year, he received Italian citizenship and a lot of Atalanta supporters are calling for him to be included in Giampiero Ventura's next Italy squad. There's a banner in the Curva Pisani at the moment that says he's Italian, Ventura select him. Do you guys think he's an option that Ventura should consider? Um, I'm not sure about it. Um, um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. Like I can see that I can see the why they're saying it, and it, it would be kind of one of those feel-good stories. I feel like to actually make the team. I'm not overly convinced. It probably wouldn't be in my squad at the moment. But you know, if he remains consistent. Um, but just a question there. Uh, Connor, did he not play in the um, youth Argentinian squads? He's played for them at at youth level. Yeah, as far as yeah. I know, his last cap was under twenties or something. But he is eligible to play for Italy if he so desires. Okay, has he actually commented? Do you know? Or? I don't think so. I, not as far okay. as I know. But he, I know he was quite active on Instagram and Facebook and whatever, being proud to become an Italian citizen. So. Read into that what you will. Um, but as far as his form and consistency goes, I think there's definitely a case to be made for his selection. I would say this season definitely he's been probably better than Lorenzo Insigne. And uh, I know Insigne is younger and is actually Italian, so has those advantages. But <laughs> I think he should be considered at least. Yeah, I guess Italy doesn't tend to really or at least in the current guise of Italy, it doesn't really tend to go for these sort of technical, small attacking midfielders. That that kind of seems to be, I suppose, the main obstacle for him, really. I, mean, I don't I think otherwise it, it, I mean, it doesn't really matter that he's Argentine. It's just I, I'm not sure if his type of play is really uh, favoured, even sort of Insigne doesn't tend to get that much of a run out for the national team. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That the fact you look at Insigne's season last, uh, well, his last season, how um, how good he was, how the form he showed, and yet he barely got a look in at the Euros. Obviously, in the squad, but um, in terms of playing time, he was barely there. So um, it, it's definitely it would be a hard one for him to break. But you know, you never know. <laughs> Of course, we do have the international break coming up next week and we will be looking to talk about Italy a bit more then. But on to Giampiero Ventura's old team, Torino, who have also been very impressive this year, perhaps not as surprisingly. Sinisa Mihailovic appears to have gotten his ideas across to the players from very early on and they look like they too could challenge for Europe this year. They have a lot of flair and ability in attack and are quite solid at the back. 
do you think Torino fans should be getting too excited this year? Um, um, I think really Torino fans, I mean, irrelevant of even whether they are going to make Europe or not, I think they have every right to be excited at least about the team because, I mean, I'm an Inter fan and I'm excited about watching that Torino team. I think I've spoken about it a couple of times, but, you know, they're just a really exciting team to watch. They've got a lot of promise in it. And I guess it's similar to um, Atalanta in that if they can keep this team together, it could definitely do some really interesting things. So um, I think for them, uh, Europa League is definitely a realistic goal. Um I don't, not to say that anything below that would be a failure. Um, for me, it kind of depends on how the the other teams are kind of travelling in terms of the, I guess, Milan's, Lazio's and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I can see them competing against all the teams above them. So, um, you know, I, I think Europa's more than realistic for them. Yeah, I always think they certainly seem the sort of best of the rest and Bellotti's a certainly very good player if they can keep him and just keep him firing help him development help with his development I think Ailovic has quite a good record with strikers I remember sort of Gabbiadini doing very well under him at Sampdoran I think they've done well with the players they've signed and Falke's doing well there after coming in from Roma I think they've got a good core of players I think Ailovic is a good coach and he's been given another chance to prove that one of these sort of teams that's just like pushing to get into the top tier so I don't see any reason why um, they shouldn't really be looking to get into Europe and I think uh, a few years ago when they were in Europe and when they beat Athletic uh, Club they probably had a weaker team than what they do now so I don't see why they can't uh, look to repeat that It'd be great to get their club anthem being played at a Europa League game wouldn't it? It's one of the better ones just before we wrap up, we should mention the fact that Crotone picked up their first ever Serie A win by defeating Chievo 2-0. They have looked dead and buried this year, but do you think this can spark something of a resurgence, Luca? Yeah, they, they've looked like they, they've just been complete non-starters, but now that they're back in Crotone playing at their small, tight, boxy ground, perhaps that could sort of kick them forward in the way that Frosinone had a bit of fight about them last season without being particularly good and they could sort of give teams a bit of a game at home and Palladino is a good player I suppose Marcello Trotter after arguing for that penalty will be wanting to prove things and yeah they're probably certainly way behind in terms of quality but I think now that they're at home they've got one win behind them it might sort of spur them on to give it a bit of a fight it'll still be a tough ask but um they're there sort of making history just in bit by being there and suppose that they can at least know that they've achieved something just to get there and that can help push them forward to fighting. They'll probably go down, but I think now they look like they might go down fighting rather than just losing every game as it looked like they were uh, destined to do a few games ago. Yeah, I, I think if they are going to stay up, I mean, it would require, I mean, I don't want to say a miracle, but not far off it, uh, definitely a whole lot of inspiration. Uh, you know, possibly the stadium can kind of do that for them. Um, it'll be really tough for them. Um, the quality is just not there, as you said. But, um, you know, I, w- I would really like them to stay up because Serie A needs some Calabrese clubs. So let's hope. That's just about all we have time for this week. 
I'll be back again in a few days' time with the international break in full swing. Hopefully, you too can join me again. Um, be sure to join in as we turn our focus to the Azzurri and their World Cup qualification campaign. If you want to hear more from us, you can do so by following the site on Twitter at Serie FFC. I'm at Concalcio. Luca, where can they find you? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Gumbizona. And Nick? Uh, at I Hate My Life. At, <laughs> at Nick Z. Carroll. Right. That's, that's it, guys. Um, until next time, it's ciao for now. Yeah.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.